As I've previously said online before, the documentary Judea Declares War on Germany is so tightly packed with bullshit that it runs the risk of collapsing in on itself like a neutron star. This became a problem when it came to deciding what I wanted to rebuttal next, as I felt compelled to refute every inaccuracy and to point out every example of data manipulation. However, if I were to do this, I'll be publishing videos on the subject for months to come. I've therefore decided to only publish one more video on the subject and counter what I consider to be the documentary's strongest argument that the Nazis did not systematically murder millions of people in their death camps. So strap yourself in as we're about to talk about the gas chambers or lack thereof. Yeah. This door opened into the air raid shelter. As you can see, it has a peephole. And as we open it inwards, you can see that it looks into or at a wall. One of the first times we hear Tobin speak in his documentary is when he's giving us a tour of Crematorium 1, which contains the first gas chamber used to kill people at Auschwitz. He starts by talking about one of the external doors of the building before moving inside the vestibule towards the gas chamber. He then points out that the old wooden door used to separate the two rooms was not airtight, and that this is a serious problem for those who believe this room was used to gas people back in the day. This second door, you can see, is supposed to be gas tight. That is the problem um, anyone is faced with worrying about this idea of having a gas chamber as I now open the door. They go on to say that the gas chambers we see today are nothing more than fakes and that Zyklon B, the cyanide-based pesticide that was used to kill people by the Nazis, wasn't actually used to kill them but actually to save them by delousing their clothing. This building also housed dozens of gas chambers designed to save the lives of the prisoners. Before I rip into this documentary, I think we first must talk about how these people were killed at Auschwitz on such an industrial level. Now, they weren't told they were going into a gas chamber because that would have caused a panic. They were told they were going to go and get showered and their clothes were going to be disinfected and deloused and what have you. So they were led downstairs into a chamber where they disrobed. Some of them were given towels and soap and then they were led into another chamber where the door was locked behind them and Zyklon B was dumped in either through the roof or through special holes uh, that went down or from the side. And then they were they were gassed. The cyanide-based pesticide, Zyklon B, kills by preventing cells in the victim's body from using oxygen to make energy. It does this by binding iron found in the enzyme of the mitochondria in the victim's body. When it does this, it prevents oxygen from binding to the active site, preventing the synthesis of adenosine triphosphate, resulting in chemical asphyxiation, and the victims were dead within 10 to 20 minutes. People then went into the gas chambers with gas masks on and took the bodies to be incinerated. They also removed any glasses, any jewellery or any artificial limbs that could be reused. The ashes of the victims was then either buried, dumped in a river or used as fertiliser. At about the 50 minute mark in the documentary, the subject of Crematorium 1 gets mentioned again. This time by the unknown Australian narrator who believes that the gas chamber is a fake. The only chamber still undestroyed is in the Auschwitz main camp, but it too is a comedy of errors. Whereas the prisoners had a swimming pool next to their barracks, the Germans supposedly built this gas chamber only 20 paces from their SS restaurant and hospital. 
This is one of many examples throughout the documentary of these two guys trying to convince the viewer that Auschwitz really wasn't a nasty place to live. They mention this swimming pool over and over and over again throughout the documentary, but they fail to mention that this swimming pool wasn't always a swimming pool. It was a water reservoir that was turned into a swimming pool. It was originally there for firefighting reasons. If Auschwitz were not presented as a house of horrors, tourists would stay away in droves. So when you take a tour of the camps, you are shown Soviet war propaganda films, and the guys try and outdo each other in horror stories. Go alone, and you will find the swimming pool, for example, which is on Birch Alley, behind blocks 6 and 7 in Auschwitz main camp. It was not until 1943 when the then commander of Auschwitz ordered the construction of diving boards by the water reservoir. Even then, it was only accessible to SS men and certain privileged Aryan prisoners. This information is so easy to find, but the documentary would have you believe that this information has been repressed. And if you were to go on a tour of Auschwitz, they purposely don't show you this swimming pool. It's, it's very deceptive. It's, in, it's incredibly deceptive. Likewise, Crematorium 1 did not always contain a gas chamber. Originally, it was equipped with two, later three crematorium ovens with a morgue room behind them. It was not until late in 1941 that this morgue room was sealed up and five holes were cut into the roof, allowing Zyklon B to be dropped in so it could kill people in this now new gas chamber. Now, there were major issues with this retrofitted gas chamber, such as the proximity to other buildings. This is actually something, surprisingly, that the narrator of the documentary actually got correct. According to the Polish tour guides, the only method of getting the poisonous gas out of this large chamber was to open two flimsy, unsealed doors and let the wind blow hundreds of cubic meters of poisonous gas out onto the street. According to the book Anatomy of the Auschwitz Death Camp, a large fan was installed to remove the gas after it was used to murder people. However, the proximity of nearby buildings was still a problem. And for this reason, the gas chamber in Crematorium 1 was only used for a small amount of time, from the 15th of February 1942 to some point in the autumn of 1942. It's predicted that only about 100,000 people were killed in this gas chamber. Now, I know that's, that, that, that's a large number, but it's really nothing compared to what happened next. The reason why the murders stopped happening there was because the operation was moved out to the newly constructed, purposely built gas chambers and crematoriums in Auschwitz too. The only evidence we could find on the inside of the chamber was evidence of incompetence. The roof holes have, once again, been crudely smashed through the concrete. Fixtures that probably belonged to toilets have been removed, but proving this alleged gas chamber once had a toilet. And then there is the door, of flimsy wooden construction with a window, and the locking device on the inside, a door that could easily be kicked out. Just like Crematorium 1 didn't start its life with a gas chamber installed, it didn't end its life as a working crematorium. In 1944, the building was converted into an air raid shelter, something which Tobin kept mentioning at the beginning but never really went into detail about. This door opened into the air raid shelter. It leads into the air raid shelter, befitting an air raid shelter. The ovens were dismantled, the holes that were once used to drop Zyklon B in were filled in, toilets were installed, and the gas chamber was subdivided with strong walls to support the ceiling. This is probably one of the reasons why it remained after the war, when attempts were made by the Nazis to destroy all evidence of these gas chambers. 
After the war, the camp was turned into a museum, and using blueprints dated September 25th, 1941, and eyewitness testimonies, the gas chamber in Crematorium 1 was restored. This is why it looks like the holes in the roof of the gas chamber have been smashed in, because they have. Just like the original ones. Back up on the roof, Dr. Tobin points out the crematorium chimney, a chimney that is not found on any Allied aerial photos at the time. But we believe it was added later by the Russians. But whoever added it did not bother even attaching it to the building. Both the ovens and the chimney were rebuilt in 1947 by the Soviets, who decided not to attach the two together. Maybe they didn't like the idea of making the facility functional again after such a small amount of time. Who knows? But what we do know is that this restoration did take place. Now the documentary again is trying to push the idea that this is hidden secret information when it's really not. There is a plaque outside the building that says part of it was rebuilt and who rebuilt it. These alleged homicidal gas chambers where supposedly millions of people were killed were silly Mickey Mouse constructions that were more dangerous to bystanders than to the condemned. None of the alleged chambers had heating systems to bring the Cyclone B crystals up to the 26 degrees necessary to give off the gas. None of them had gas extraction systems, and none of them show the telltale blue stains typical of Cyclone B poison. Something that I found both very interesting and incredibly eerie whilst researching for this video was that the hydrogen cyanide that was given off by Zyklon B actually reacts with iron in the walls of the gas chambers and of the delousing chambers and makes a blue pigment called Prussian blue. Now, this pigment is, for lack of a better word, quite, it's, it's quite almost pretty and it, it's just awful that this is a result of something that it, that is so awful. It, it's it, it's just bizarre. Nearly all of the gas chambers were destroyed by the Nazis towards the end of the war in an attempt to destroy evidence of their atrocities. This exposed these cyanide-based compounds, which don't penetrate that far into the wall, by the way, to the elements, eventually leading to their blue color to fade away. However, there are a number of delousing chambers that were captured intact and they naturally haven't been exposed to the elements and you can really see this blue staining in them. The tinge of blue you may see here comes from the flashed photos and not from any staining from Cyclone B on the walls because there isn't any. Now it becomes very clear at this point that the guys in the documentary are quoting from the Lucha report and I believe I've just butchered that name. This report was used to defend the person that this movie is dedicated towards. A chap called Ernest, who was put on trial for violating Canadians' law against distributing false news when he published a pamphlet called Did Six Million Really Die? The report analysed multiple pieces of brick and the remains of crematoriums and gas chambers at Auschwitz, without the camp's permission by the way. The report stated that it was unable to find evidence of high enough concentrations of these cyanide-based compounds in the homicidal gas chambers, and therefore they could not have been used to kill people. It goes on to say that they were able to find evidence of these compounds in the Auschwitz delousing chambers. This is a huge cornerstone for the 
revisionist, aka the Holocaust denialist groups, because they believe that this stuff was just used to delouse clothing and it was never used to gas people, as I said at the beginning of this video. In fact, this part of the documentary is called Real Gas Chambers Made for Saving Lives. There are multiple crippling errors with this report, starting with the very basic fact that these cyanide-based iron compounds are not necessarily indicative of cyanide exposure. They require large concentrations of cyanide over a large period of time, and for there to be an actual iron source. There was also a problem with how they took samples in their report. Rather than just testing the surface of the gas chambers, entire chunks of brick and mortar were smashed and ground up. This diluted these cyanide-based compounds past the point sometimes where they could be detected. Now, the reason why they were able to detect these compounds using the same method in the walls of the delousing chambers is, well, for two reasons. The first reason is that they survived the war, and therefore these cyanide iron-based compounds that coated them weren't exposed to the elements, like the ones in the gas chambers. The second reason is that Zyklon B in these rooms was used in a much higher concentration and for a much longer period of time in order to kill these parasites. Not only has the scientist who actually conducted these studies came out and said, oh my god, I was lied to about the origin of these samples and what to actually look for. If I knew where they were from, I would have just tested the surface and I wouldn't have like cracked them open and took samples from within the rocks. But also, people have been back and ran the same tests and found what you'd expect, that there is these cyanide-based compounds on the walls of the gas chambers. Still, after all this time and after they've been exposed, you can still detect it they're still there. This report is a load of all bollocks, really. In my opinion, these fake gas chambers and lack of a high enough concentration of these cyanide-based compounds is the strongest argument this documentary has, and it falls apart so easily. All you have to do is just... All you have to do is a quick Google search. That's all you need to do. A quick Google search, and the answers are there. These people want to believe this because they want to believe this. As I said at the beginning, I could spend months and months and months making video after video debunking every single inaccurate claim made in this documentary. But as I found out after publishing my first video, these people are not going to change their mind. They don't care when confronted with evidence that contradicts how they believe things happened. Uh, they don't care at all. In fact, my last video was flagged for hate speech after a couple of days. They just wanted to shut me up. So yeah, these people are not going to learn, so I'm just going to, I'm going to stop making videos on the subject now. It's also really, really depressing. I'm going to end by saying these people aren't looking for evidence. They're looking for reasons to excuse their bigotry. That's what they're doing. Right, I'm going to go. So, see you later, internet. Once again, thank you for making it all the way through to the end of my video. I really appreciate it. And if you appreciated my hard work in making this video, why not give this video a like or even subscribe to my channel to find some more interesting content. Well, I think it's interesting. Not many people would agree with me, but I think it's interesting. And if you really like my stuff, why don't you think about becoming a Patreon? Because things are certainly getting a bit harder here on YouTube these days. Anyway, I'm going to go. So, see you later. Bye, internet.